Good morning, everybody. It's the third, excuse me, it's the fourth of December, 2023. My name is Larry Jacobs, and thanks for being with us here today on Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, the voice of the American Consortium for Equity in Education. And as I always like to say, everything we do is over at ace-ed.org. That's where we will be uh, archiving this podcast. That's where we have our magazine, Equity and Access, Pre-K-12. That's where we have a lot of information about equity and K-12 education across the country, and also information about our Excellence in Equity Awards program. So please check it all out again, aceed-ed.org. We're heading down to my hometown today. In fact, we're going there right now, which is Philadelphia. A sad day in Philly after the loss to the 49ers yesterday. We'll talk to Laura Hammond, first of all who's the Executive Director of Curriculum and Instruction for the School District of Philadelphia, my alma mater. Lauren, are you okay to talk after the game yesterday? Lauren? Good morning. Yes, we're okay to talk. We're sad, but we are okay to talk. You're, you're sure you're all right, because we can always make the show in a couple of years when things turn around, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. I just want you to know. <laughs> I grew up in Philly. Okay, I watched the game yesterday. Good morning, Dave Weinstein. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Doing okay. You know, I, I think good. this might be something I'm not supposed to say out loud, but I'm not originally an Eagles fan, so my, I, my I level of hurt is not as great as others. I know, and that's why we're cutting you off from the rest of the conversation, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a great day, Larry. It's, it's been fun. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Great to have you here. You take care and Buy yourself a cheesesteak on a, on a white bread with some bacon. Mm, sounds good, right, Lord? Yeah, well, we'll move on from there. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. Dave is the executive director of Joyful Readers. And Joyful Readers, and you should learn about this, at joyfulreaders.org. It's a school – at least if I got this straight, it's a uh, – I got uh, – who do I have it here? Oh, here it is. A new organization providing high-dosage reading tutoring in Philadelphia public schools, and I'm doing this for several reasons, okay? I want to find out how it's doing. I want Dave to talk about how he started it and how it might work in other places as well if other people are interested. Of course, this is a challenge across the entire country is getting kids to read and read well, okay? And uh, so we're going to go from there. I'm going to start with Dave, and again, state joyfulreaders.org, and even though he's not a genetic Eagles fan. We'll ask him what prompted him to start Joyful Readers in Philadelphia. Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Larry. Um, You're welcome. I think for, for me, it's been, it's been personal experiences in my career. I've been, I've been working in education, even though I'm not from Philadelphia. I've been working in education for 17 years here. And for me, it's been mostly with older students. And I've had the firsthand view of seeing what the data says on paper, which is that a lot of students in Philadelphia can't read on grade level. And I've just seen up front the the effects of what that looks like for kids. I I remember my very first year in Philly, I I had a student that I worked with who smart as a whip, just the, the definition of the word sharp applied to this kid, wasn't always too interested in paying attention in class or doing well. One of the things I tried to do was give him a copy of the autobiography of Malcolm X and, oh, and say, hey, I, oh. I see a lot of you in this kid. You know, or I see a lot of of him and you, I should, should yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, I got it, yeah. You know, gave that to him, and, and ultimately, I don't think he got a chapter through it. He said it was too hard to read. 
Um, and this is a, you know, a really sharp this kid. Is a bright and so, kid. This is a bright kid. Yeah. Yeah. That always, yeah. that stuck with me. And so that was kind of the, the very beginnings of this. And then from there, I, I eventually found this, this crazy research into high dosage tutoring that was saying it wasn't just one program across the country that was working. It wasn't just, you know, this little group of tutors in Scranton, Pennsylvania or something. It was working in many places, different yes. ways. Yes. Couldn't, couldn't get the idea to my head. I was just wondering why isn't this happening in Philly? Why don't, why don't we have something like this? Keep going. And so ultimately, so what'd you do? yeah, I started, well, I started visioning what could it look like. And for me, this was before I told anybody, it was every night before I went to bed, this was the last thing in my mind. And so eventually I broke down, told my wife was the first person. She thought I was crazy. <laughs> I never, never talked about starting a nonprofit before. Yep. Yep. And, you know, from there I started talking to some people I trusted and kind of waiting for them to, to tell me the same, like, yeah, this is, this is not a great idea. Here's all the reasons why. And, some people started to get excited, and so started laying the groundwork, talking to schools, talking to funders, and and ultimately working to get this off the ground last school year for the first time. Yeah, and when when did you first think of this? Yeah, put it in so people can get a, a year perspective here, because we're in 2023, yeah. December 4th. So when did it all pop into your head, and then when did it start to go into fruition, if I may? And I know it's this year, this school year, but just Put that timeline together, please. Yeah, this was, for me, this was fall of 2020 when I started getting serious. I'd had the idea in my head for a little bit. Um, pandemic you know, For time. a lot of people. Yeah, yeah pandemic time, yeah. people rethinking how they wanted to live their lives. For me, I think it was, I had a, a young daughter who got, you know, taken out of daycare, so she was home with me working. And then in September, I guess that was about five months after the pandemic started, she went back into daycare. And that gave me the mental space to go from, here's this idea I'm thinking about, but don't have any time to do anything beyond think about. Now I started doing some research. Now I started having some conversations with people. Um, and so that, that's kind of that original thought process. And then it was uh, last September when all of our tutors started, so September of 2022. And how many tutors are we talking about? First year, year, we brought on 24 yeah. full-time tutors, and now this is our second year. Wow. We've got 44 that we brought on this year. Woo-hoo! That, that's – congratulations, David. That's just incredible. Okay, I really got to hand it to you. I mean, I mean it. It's just the, from fruition to actuality. I think, it's, I think it's fantastic. Lauren, okay, you're the executive director of curriculum instruction for Philly schools, right? Correct. How long have you been doing that? Um, I've been in this role since uh, the start of 2023, um, and then prior to that, I brand was to, um, you're the brand director new to the of math. Wait, 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 you're brand new to the role. Am I correct? Um, or, yeah, about a are you a year in or a half a year in? Are you a, a year, year, year in or a half a year? Wow, congrats. That's great. Thank you. And what do you do all day? I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like a stupid question, but I always like to ask people. You're the executive director of curriculum instruction. Okay, that's a huge job for the whole city of Philadelphia. Okay, so how do you spend your day? And I'm, I'm quite serious about that. I, I love to ask that question of people. Okay, it's always fun to hear the answer. Go ahead. Oh, God. Well, the average day starts about 5 a.m. <laughs> I, I believe it. Uh, but um, a 30,000 feet in the air response to that is um, supporting 
both math and ELA for one of the largest school districts in the country. Um, It is, it's challenging, but it's more rewarding than it is challenging. And I um, am grateful that I have um, a team of math experts and a team of ELA experts that really get to tell me what the landscape of our, our institution should look like based off the research. And I spend a lot of my day spreading that desire to make those instructional shifts in every vehicle and every avenue that I have an opportunity to participate in. Um, And also, too, while doing that, working very closely with the team to ensure that we are staying up to date with research, that we are promoting research and evidence-based practices, um, and then just supporting leaders and teachers because this work is not easy and we we know that there's things that we can read in a book or attend at a conference, and it sounds so easy, but in fact, yeah, yeah, right. like executing it, we're like, wow, that's that's going to be a little bit difficult to do in a system of this size. So, how do we do it? And along the way, how do we stay positive? How do we let yeah. leaders and teachers exactly. know that they are doing a good job? How do we create environments and ecosystems for students where they want to come to school and they want to feel good? Um, that's about most of my day. Lots of meetings, but most of my average day yeah, is yeah. in one of those spaces. And, you know, what you're basically talking about, besides just the, the pedagogy of curriculum and instruction, you're also talking about working to keep morale high, okay? And nothing keeps morale higher than understanding the people you're working with and making them feel good about their job. And one of the ways to make a teacher feel good about their job is when you support them with the students learning. When they can see results, a teacher is much happier in their job. And in this day of tough teacher retention and tough teacher recruitment, that's extremely important. Okay. And that's why I think what you're doing, I'm going to ask you a little more in a second, what you're doing with David, okay, and his joyful readers group. It's extremely important for as many teachers as you can work with, and maybe 44 teachers is a whole bunch, okay, of thousands, but it's the step in the right direction. And they can see results, they get the help they need, and boom, you've got a better working school district, if I may, in terms of retention and recruitment. It's just that, that simple. It's a simple formula, but it's hard to get that formula working. On that note, what, how did you find out about Joyful Readers? I would assume, Dave came to you. But talk to me about that. Laura, Laura. Um, Dave did not come to me. Um, actually, ah. he, as much as I love Dave, I did not actually meet Dave um, <laughs> as he was promoting Joyful Readers. Um, and in our institution, we really encourage and we promote schools being the, the, the agent of change. Um, school yep. leaders are the instructional leaders. They are the instructional coaches within their schools. And schools have the ability to identify an area of need. Um, so a few schools started to work with Joyful Leader, Readers last year, and they were sharing positive, the positivity that they, would ha- their, they had with that partnership when they were nice. working with Dave and collaborating with the tutors. So now you've got my attention because, um, yeah, yeah. you know, we're at a, a large conference and the leader comes up and they're like, oh, my God, did you hear about this? It's amazing. Like my <laughs> students are reading. And I'm like, okay, tell me more. Wow. Um, and then, then insert Dave. So now we have a face um, with this, uh, a partnership that we're hearing from the field is working really well, and, and leaders are excited about it. 
Um, and as as a district, we want to we want to continue to foster that. We want to foster effective literacy instruction. Um, we know that how important it is foundational skills for all students and and Joyful Readers is able to provide that to some of our schools. And we're just excited to see where this is going to go long term. Yeah, and it's, it's good. I hope it does go long term because it seems to be working, which we'll talk about. Dave, let me ask that question in the opposite way. And thanks, Lauren. This is great stuff. Okay, and I love the job you're doing. I wish you the best of continued mm-hmm. best Thank of luck you. with it because it's it's you have a tough job. Okay, it's Thank a good you. city. Regarding for the Eagles, can <laughs> still go all the way. It's a great city. Okay, it's my hometown oh, for many years. In fact, I'll give you. I know you're new to the school district. I was there so long ago, and I went all through K-12, okay, that Lamberton was an elementary school when I went there. Do you know Lamberton High School? Uh, no, I didn't know. In West Philly, in West Philly, in Overbrook Park. Yeah. Okay, and Lamberton is a high school today. I still don't know how they did it, but when I was there, it was a K-6 elementary school in the 1950s, okay, if you can believe oh. that. Okay, check it out, kid. I'm, I'm telling you, it's a, I'm telling you, Philly's a whole world unto itself. Okay, in West Philly, I love talking Philly, by the way, everybody. All right, so let me ask this, Dave. How did you get into the public schools? You had to influence yeah, somebody. Think, yeah, David Weinstein. We were a hundred percent school by school, so. This was, you know, I was talking about this idea with a lot of folks who cared about literacy. And I think for the, you know, the people that said, hey, this is great. We, we need this just like I thought we needed this in Philly. They said, hey, I know a principal of this school. I think they might be interested. Why don't I set you two up for a conversation? I know, wow. I know a principal over here, right? And so, and that was how we did it. We started talking to principals one by one saying, this is, this is what we can offer. This is what we, we think, you know, we can do in your schools. And now, you know, year year and a quarter later i kind of joke i I say to some of our principals i say why why would you bring in this uh this program with no track record right this organization that didn't exist and they said you know it comes down to ultimately what you were saying was what i wanted to have for my school yeah Um, yeah. and so this wasn't like uh you know i I sent a text to the superintendent you know we knew each other from college type of thing and and so you know we got a contract it was just uh you know school by school talking to school principals and what part of the city were you in? In any particular part? Or did you go just wherever? I, I think you live in South Philly, right? So where, where did yeah, you go? I live in South Where's... Philly. We've got yeah. uh, two of our partners are, are in South Philly where I live. Um, but that first year we had another three that were in West Philly, and then we had four spread throughout North Philly. Um, okay, and, and I'm then, in West Philly. Yeah, yeah. So, so our knows. schools were all yeah. in the uh, the Belmont Mantua area, so it's not quite <laughs> wow. as far out as Lamberton um, <laughs> for West Philly. Right. West but yeah. yeah, we yeah. we weren't looking for a neighborhood; we were looking for kids. At the end of the day, our, yeah, exactly. our thinking was if there's kids that go to school in that building that need reading support, well, that's the right building for us. And you, you said a few minutes ago that the principals liked what you had to offer and said this is what they need. So my question then is, what do, what were you offering them? Yeah, so the way it works is we um, we take care of recruiting a group of AmeriCorps members who serve with us for a year, and then we train them. And so we have them for about a month in training before they get started for the school year. And then what happens is they, they work in that school year full-time for the year, and the only thing that they do is they tutor kids in reading in grades K to three. So there's not this kind of focus that's in a lot of different places. They just do this one thing that they have a chance to get great at. And they work with two kids at a time, right? So from, let's say, 9 to 9.30 a.m., they've got uh, 
They've got you and Lauren in their group as their two students, and they see them five days a week. And then I like Lauren doesn't need like, it. I need it though. Lauren doesn't. Need it. <laughs> <laughs> She's on track. And then it's it's wash, rinse, and repeat. So they don't just you know see those two kids. They're there full time. They've got eleven of those pairs of kids that they see every day for a half hour. They do that five days a week. And so essentially, it's <laughs> saying like you might have a reading specialist in your building, right? But you probably have more kids in your building than can get direct support from that reading specialist. Uh, that reading specialist is, is also supporting teachers. Um, they're doing some intervention with kids directly, right? But they're not going to be able to meet the need in most schools. And so here we're saying we've got some people that we think are going to be caring. They're going to be well-trained. We're going to support them and coach them throughout the year. What we need is uh, for you to have them tutor your kids. Um, yeah. And so it was just a, for a lot of schools, this, this fit a need. And, and, you know, just because someone can read doesn't mean they can teach reading, okay? Uh, there's a pedagogy involved, and I know we're going to talk about the science of reading in a few minutes, but I'm curious, how do you, Dave, how do you train your tutors? What do they have to go through or prove to you, perhaps, okay, that they can do the job? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's 100%. You know, I think for so many of us, we forget how we learned to read, it was just kind of like, oh, I don't know, it happened, right? Um, I know, it's a, it's a miracle. In actuality, it's a miracle. If you think of, no, I'm serious, I'm quite serious, okay? Yeah. These are just symbols on a piece of paper. It, and everybody just look at Arabic or Japanese. Can you read it? Okay? And, and learning to read is, 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 and teaching someone how to read. We take it for granted a lot of times. It should not be taken for granted. If you don't believe me, try to read Arabic. And if you don't read it already this afternoon. And you'll see what I mean. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, it's not to be taken lightly. It's incredible. No, for sure. You know, all the all the cognitive scientists out there will tell you that reading is not a natural process. That we sort of yeah. staple it onto our brain, so to speak. Yeah. And so for us, it starts when we're interviewing people. We're you know we're looking for some characteristics and traits that we think will help them be successful with kids. But we're also looking for. Um, the ability for them to manipulate and segment those individual sounds and words. So they're doing a screener that essentially disqualifies them if they struggle to identify and manipulate just little sounds and words. So if I said, you know, what are the three sounds in the word cat, you know, and you have to say, ah, right. You know, we give them some examples, but if they can't catch on to that, then, then they don't join our group. Right. So that, that's mm-hmm. the very beginning. And then when it comes down to, to training, um, one of the big picture things that we do is our tutors take this course called Pathways to Proficient Reading from the AIM okay. Institute. And so AIM okay. is this incredible organization that it's a school for kids with reading difficulties. It's also a training and research institute. And they have this course that's really for teachers. Um, it's a graduate level accredited course in reading instruction. And we have our tutors take that. And so they get that big picture overview of the science of reading. They really understand the, the kind of overarching what's happening for a kid to learn how to read. And then we drill down and we get a curriculum called Wilson Foundations. And so that's where there's the nuts and the bolts, so to speak, of what they're doing day in, day out with kids. So they have that kind of bird's eye view of what's happening with learning to read. And then they also have the tools in front of them to make it happen. It's, 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 you just keep it up. I mean, it's how many tutors can you teach? at one time or whatever. I don't know how to ask that question properly. Are you looking for a hundred? Are you looking for six at a time? What do you look for? Yeah. So we, we bring everyone on at the same time. So everyone starts 
for the school year, start of the year, right? And so we're training them in this kind of cohort model. We rent a big space for them to, to work out of for oh, the cool. for that month. Um, you know, and we're, we're excited about this growth to nearly double year two to have over 40 tutors join us. Um, I, I, think I think in some amazing. ways the sky's the limit, but we yeah. also want to make sure that our, our systems can handle growth correctly, right? Like I'm not trying to have us say, oh, let's just do 100 tutors. Um, until I know that we're 100% ready, right? Because you don't want to start I, one of these things and, and have yeah, it not Yeah, you've got to start slow and get it to get it big and all that sort of stuff. And I want to go back to Lauren here because we were discussing this. Lauren, re- reading instruction, as you well know, has changed over the last couple of years. And you know all the contra- controversy about reading, teaching and reading techniques. And the thing that seems to have the biggest power right now is the science of reading. And we're talking to an audience of uh, educators. Okay. Talk about the science of reading. Okay. And how that works in the city of Philadelphia, what's going on with that and how, and how this fits in with what Dave is doing. We can do all that. Lauren. Absolutely. Um, We, the science of reading is taking off. Um, And I think the first thing that we as a team decided to name is that the science of reading is the research behind it, but what we do in the classroom is called structured literacy, right? It's the structured literacy piece. It's the systematic, explicit teaching of sounds and letters, phonological awareness, phonics, fluency, vocabulary, comprehension, um, and and letting teachers know this is what we do and here's how we do it through professional development and professional learning and supporting our coaches in the field, our principals, to deepen teacher practice during PLCs, community practice, grade level team time, however Mm -hmm. you call it. But we uh, also know that even with good pedagogy, if you don't have a high-quality instructional resource, then the pedagogy just becomes good pedagogy. So we really focused on our curriculum alignment and looking and ensuring that for each grade, students have access to complex, rigorous text so that the systematic, explicit practices they're being taught, they then can apply them, whether it be using letter tiles to build words or nonsense words and have access to decodables that align to the phonological um, phonics lesson they just had, while also aligned to their independent reader, um, and and in letting and encouraging teachers to institutionalize a practice within their classroom, just as, as across the school and as at the district level, is really looking at how we assess comprehension and moving away from if I just give you a passage on bicycles then there's a couple multiple choice and there's an open-ended and how you fare on that assessment is an indicator of your ability to read. And we've learned over the years and through the research tells us that if you don't have a lot of content knowledge on a specific topic, you're not going to fare well as somebody who does. So David mm-hmm. might know a lot about bicycles and he might do really well and he'll look on papers through assessment practices that he is a fluent reader. And I could also be a fluent reader but know nothing about bicycles and do really poorly on the same assessment. So looking not only just at our assessment practices and changing those, but ensuring that we're making data-driven decisions grounded in assessment practices that are reflective of what's happening in the classroom. Um, That's 
big picture of what we are we're doing, but we're also Great looking picture. to with the, thank you with structured literacy is. that continues like with continued collaboration with experts. What is happening in other districts across the country? Because we're not the only school district that exists. And we are not the only ones that are moving forward to implementing structured literacy in the classroom. Um, so what is happening in L.A.? What is happening in Gwinnett County? What is happening in Chicago? And keeping those lines of communication open, because that's how we're going to grow as practitioners and how we're going to yeah. continue to support this work. Um, and the, the one key that I never want to leave out when I get to talk about instituting new practices is how important families and communities are. Um, I feel like very often in education, that's the last box we like to check off. It's like, oh, we did do a literacy family night. But how paramount that is, and that's the three-legged school um, right. model, is having the parent, <clears throat> the family, community members, the student, mm -hmm. and the school. And if parents and community members are not aware of what is happening, or at least cognizant of the shifts that we are making, how can we uh, teach and, and develop the whole child. If we're only sending our kids to school for seven or eight hours a day and we expect everything to happen there, we want parents to read with their children. We want to give them things to encourage reading happening at home. And even with partner organizations, Boys and Girls Clubs, the Y, yes, we want you to do this when you have this space because you also offer services to students and opportunities for them. So let's give let's have some complex text on your shelves that students can take and read when they come near after school program. How can we have a healthy balance of all of it? Um, so we are doing a lot, um, and we are working very hard. And um, partnerships like Joyful Readers, yeah. and even just our teachers, like uh, David mentioned, <clears throat> past the Pathways to Proficient Reading, the Ames Institute. A lot of our teachers and leaders self-select to go into those courses. And that just also makes this work even more um, enjoyable and, and even drives my passion more when we yeah. know that there are practitioners that are going out and self-advocating because they want to be better teachers for our students. Yeah, it, it, and thank you. That was great. And, uh, you know, you're exactly right. What can I say? You're exactly right. And I'm curious on two things. I wanna, I'm going to ask um, uh, uh, how Dave coordinates all this, but I want to ask you, I, and I know Joyful Readers is fairly new, okay, but just, uh, you must be talking, well, I can ask both of you, but I'll start with Lauren. Lauren, you must be talking to these principals, okay, that are using Joyful Readers and ask them how we doing with all this, and what's the, what's the feedback you're getting so far? Lauren, then I'll ask Dave, same thing. Yeah, the, the, the leaders that we are able to have conversations with around Joyful Readers, the partnership, the first thing that always comes out is the consistency. Their tutors are always there. They're never having to look for um, the tutor that was supposed to show yeah. up on Tuesday. And, and, and once, as a school leader, that is very, that's paramount to the work. If you can keep your word and help me help better provide an environment for my students, the leaders, school leaders are going to love you. <laughs> it's like consistency <laughs> in, in keeping your word. And then I think the next part of that is um, I was able to attend, and Dave helped me out, the end of year event last year. Um, uh, the Young Reader of the Year Awards. There you go. Uh, yeah, they, 
And there were parents there of, of some of the kids that Joyful Readers Tutors had the opportunity oh. to engage with. And <clears throat> to see a parent cry, I am a mom. Oh. Um, so when, you, when you're a mom and you, and you have tears of joy, that is a feeling that I cannot describe. But being a mom and watching another mom witness this because her child started the year oh. off not wanting to read, having behavioral issues because they didn't want to be in the classroom, and now is an honor roll student and basically reading two grade levels above from where they started. That is the type of outcomes we want to see as Joyful Readers expands in institutions that really focus on um, systematic explicit instruction through the vehicle of structured literacy in every environment that they're in because this is what the science is telling us. If we, t- if we teach this way, these are the outcomes we will have. I think she likes you, Dave. <laughs> Not me, because at the end of the day, <laughs> I, know, I, know, right? I, know. You, I don't the tutor any of these kids. You. Yeah, the colloquial yeah. you, okay? Joyful yeah. readers, okay, Lauren, that was great and very heartfelt. I gotta tell you, that was sweet. All right, Dave, what are you hearing back? What's the feedback? And you know, I'm, I'm gonna say something here. You, I just, I just want people to hear this. We always start this with the best of intentions, and it sounds like it's working beautifully, okay? But everybody along the way, if I may, the New England Patriots, my current football team, they do something wrong, okay, and that needs to be corrected, okay? So when, as you started this and as you got into the schools in Philly, okay, did you, what, what changed right off the beginning? I mean, you had this idea, so, oh, no, you got to do it a little differently. This has to work this way. What was going on that way, in that regard? What mistake, if I may, did you make so that people can avoid it? Yeah, well, I'll set the context for, for especially the start of that year, is that we've got an incredible team of staff that supports our tutors. And we brought on, it was me and, and five other folks who started last August. And everyone started a little less than a month before the tutors. So we were building this organization yeah. fast in terms of getting ready for that first training academy. And I think that... Um, two things kind of stood out that we needed to improve. And one was how we figure out how to integrate our tutors into the school buildings so that teachers know them, so that people know who they are, what they do. And I think we're still working on that to some extent, Mm -hmm. right? I think we were so laser focused on what we're doing with kids um, that we still needed some work of like, how do we make sure that people understand these these folks that are new, right, to to the building? Um, the second one, which I, I think we've made huge strides in, is in that first year, we didn't give people enough practice. We did a lot of a lot of training, and people knew a lot of the work, but before they got started with tutoring, they didn't have enough hands-on practice. And so we did a lot to to work through our training to make sure that they were really touching and using the curriculum a lot before that first session with kids. And then the way it kind of works for them at the start of the year is instead of them having that full caseload of kids on their first day tutoring, they start off and they've got, let's say, three groups the first day. And so they've got a good amount of downtime and they can really process and think about, you know, what went wrong and kind of work through the stresses of it. And then day two, they might have five groups. And we kind of work them up in such a way to get to that full caseload where you ask them, they're still going to tell you it's stressful and it's hard and they're they're working through it. But it's a little bit more graduated than, let's say, the first-year teacher that doesn't have that luxury of teaching for part of the day on day one, they've got to teach the whole day in most cases. And so I think those are two things, really, is that that practice time for training and then that integration with adults in the school, making sure we could figure out how we build relationships. 
That's a, that a great answer. Thank you. Okay, people will appreciate that, and I do too. And my, my next question is, how are you what, – what, what's the feedback you're hearing? Okay, and I know it's good. You just heard some from Lauren, but anything anecdotally or anything else that you're hearing, you know, that kind of thing. What's the feedback yeah, so far? I think, from both, you know, and I'll say it this way, from both tutors, teachers, and parents, and principals, okay? You get a lot of feedback, okay? <laughs> we are, and, you know, we, we're very, we do some very concerted efforts to do surveys for the teachers that we have students from their classes, surveys of administrators, surveys of our tutors. So we're trying to do that on, at the, like, the big picture level to make sure we don't just hear the anecdotes. But then we're also having those conversations. And I think the, you know, that, that first cohort of tutors that we had, so amazed and impressed, right? They signed on to serve with an yeah. organization that didn't exist previously. And they were really helpful and beneficial to us in, in giving us a lot of feedback of what I just talked about, of how to improve the program heading into year two. And now we're getting to hear that again from our second year cohort of, so we've made these changes. This is going to be an every year thing, right? It's not like, oh, we've heard all the feedback. You know, from administrators, I think one of, that's, that's the thing I'm, I'm almost most proud of so far in this organization is that we started out with those nine schools. And you could imagine that like a first-year organization, maybe things are supposed to be messy or not go so well. All nine said, we want you back. Well, there's At the end of the day, we, we want you to come back. And, and there wasn't, that is not to say that the, you know, there weren't things that they said, hey, we think you can work on this. Let's have a conversation about this. But we want you back in the building next year. Um, and so really excited that we went back to all nine of those first-year schools, stuck with them, uh, and then, of course, added our six new schools this year. And what are you looking at for next year? You know, next year, I think we're actually going to stay around the same size as my guess. I, I think for us, we want to make sure that we can deliver at the level that we're delivering at right now. And so maybe there's a little bit of growth, but I, I don't think that it's, wise for us to do this doubling again, so to speak. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. I think for us, our focus is on how do we tighten every last system that we've got? How do we make sure that we've got the best tutors, the best tutoring happening for kids? And so I think we're going to be at a fairly similar scale again next year. We're, we're hoping to again tutor about a thousand kids next year. That's, that's fantastic. Okay. And it's just great. Well-managed on my dad. Okay. Thank you both. This was wonderful. Okay, David, good continued good luck with Joyful Readers. I mean, that's, that's just great. Okay. And Lauren, you have a good time as Executive Director of Curriculum Instruction for my old school district of Philadelphia. Okay. Thanks, bye. All right. Be good, guys, and enjoy your steak sandwiches. Please think of me as you eat them. We can't get good ones up here. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you for having us, Larry. Oh, you're, you're welcome Thank here anytime. Thank you both. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay. Lauren Hammond, who's the Executive Director of Curriculum and Instruction for the School District of Philadelphia that I mentioned, it's my alma mater, and also the Founder and Executive Director of JoyfulReaders.org. I have it linked on site, Dave Weinstein. And uh, good stuff all around. And it's hard to manage. It's hard to manage and teach in a big city district these days. And they're doing, a, doing everything they can for those kids, i got to tell you. So check it all out. All right. We'll archive the show at ace-ed.org. My name is Larry Jacobs. Thanks for listening.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.